With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, everybody? Brennan Schaefer back here with you for another episode of B-Shafe Daily. Welcome into the show on a Monday as the Cardinals... It's good news, folks. They did what they were supposed to do against the Pittsburgh Pirates. They took four out of five over the weekend. Kind of a long weekend that included a doubleheader. Four wins in five games for St. Louis to vault them back into second place in the National League Central Division. Plenty of standings talk today and the rest of the week because we're down to the nitty-gritty, folks. The schedule as we know it ends on Sunday, I want to say, right? Today's Monday, the 21st. September 27th is the last scheduled day of the season. Before you ask, I have no idea what it will take for the Cardinals and Tigers to be forced to play that doubleheader on the 28th, if that's even a possibility. You figure that as close, as tight as the standings are right now, that's something that has to be on the table. The the Tigers manager, uh, Ron Gardenhire, just retired, so that makes it even more interesting. Like I've wondered, what happens if they do say, hey, Tigers, I know you've played this whole pandemic season and you guys aren't any good you're not going to make the playoffs Detroit is 22 and 30 as of right now but they've still got that one double header between the Cardinals that was not rescheduled the hope being it wouldn't be relevant for the postseason standings but at this point it might be and to me if if it comes down to seeding like you know, it doesn't change which teams might make the playoffs, but just what their seeds might be. I say forget it, scrap it, don't play it. It doesn't matter. Just go by winning percentage at that point. But if it comes down to like an actual tie, like say the Cardinals are exactly 500 and uh, so are multiple other teams vying for wild cards, you probably got to make them play those last two games, I would think. Hopefully for the Cardinals' sake, it doesn't come to that though because right now St. Louis is two games above 500. They've played 50 uh, it's been a whirlwind. I mean, you can remember for about a month of the season, they'd only played five games because they played that first weekend, had a couple of off days, played the games against Minnesota, and then had 17 days where they didn't play. And so they've been playing catch up for quite some time now, and they're almost finished with that. They've just got a few teams left to play. They've got the Kansas City Royals now. That's coming up. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then the Brewers. So, you know, I say a few. Really, it's only those two with the potential for a two-gamer against the Tigers probably on that Monday the 28th if it's required. Got to be the Royals. It's the same thing as we said against the Pirates. You're playing poor teams. You got to got to treat them like they're poor teams. And the Royals this year, 21-32. and 32. And so, not you know, they're in last place in the, the AL Central. Got to take at least two or three from them, and if you do that, it's going to be real hard for the teams behind you to catch you uh, unless you then go and, and get drubbed by the Brewers. But we can look at all of that as the week goes along. Let's take a moment at least, a few minutes here, to recap the weekend that was for the Cardinals because it was really encouraging in a lot of ways. Some of the elements of the team that have been concerning uh, still not necessarily 
you know, out of the woods with with regard to the offense is is kind of the main thing I wanted to touch on there. And the doubleheader on Friday, that's kind of what I want to go back to first because uh, I, we we didn't do really any any podcast after that until now, and so um, kind of taking you through everything that took place there. You did get runs from the offense on Friday, though you know it was a little bit concerning whether they would score in Game 2, but they eventually got there. Game 1, though, they scored in each of the first four innings. That's great. It was actually the defense. If you remember back all the way to Friday, that was just terrible in Game 1 of that doubleheader. Carlos Martinez, he walks the bases loaded to start the first inning. I get that you can't do that, but Yadier Molina has another catcher's interference call. Otherwise, Martinez might have been out of the inning without giving up any runs. Instead, he gives up a couple, but the Cardinals continue to pile on. And then in the fourth, though, after Martinez had sort of settled down, you get the error from Paul DeYoung, and then Tommy Edmond letting the ball go beyond, be below his glove as he's playing right field turns a single that could have probably scored two, but definitely one. Instead, it's a three-run single, and you know the defense was it's just like, what are you doing? But bullpen really deserves a lot of credit for that win as Genesis Cabrera, Alex Reyes, come in, get the job done. Ryan Helsley walks a couple guys in that ninth inning. Uh, the bases are loaded. You really feel like that game's going to get away. Uh, another defensive situation that happened in that game with Paul Goldsmith not catching the throw from DeYoung. It was a terrible throw. You know, the, the, the error rightfully went to Paul DeYoung on the play, but it was just one of those where you're like, oh, ground ball to short, the game's over. You, then you watch the play unfold. Oh, low throw to first, the game's over. Cardinals have Paul Goldsmith as their first baseman. And then it just, he doesn't catch it. It was just one of those, I mean, I've rarely am I shocked as much as I was in that moment watching a sporting event unfold. Because it was just, it's a play he makes 99 times out of 100, and that was the other one. And so that's what put the Cardinals into a, a scary situation. Helsley could not find the, the strike zone. Ends up going 2-0 and on the last batter, had nowhere to put him, and got the fly out to left, which I saw some Cardinals fans on Twitter say off the bat they thought for sure that ball was gone. Uh, but Cardinals get away. I mean, in that ninth inning, when it looks like they're potentially one or two pitches away from giving up that lead, in that moment, the season was on the brink. I know it doesn't feel like it now as we're recapping the weekend, but that think back to where you were Friday afternoon. That was exactly where the Cardinals were at. Because you lose that game, first of all, the best case scenario is three out of five from the Pirates and leaving that Pittsburgh series at 500, 25 and 25. That becomes the best case scenario. And then with a Daniel Ponce de Leon on short rest, do you think the Cardinals position players and everybody would have been, you know, would that clubhouse have been up for that game too if they dropped game one? I don't think so. I don't think you have the same outcome. And that outcome, of course, was a late rally. The Cardinals score six runs in the sixth inning. You probably would have gotten a decent start from Ponce de Leon because uh, he just, again, I'm going to brag about him because you know I'll take any chance to do so that I can. On three days rest, the guy comes out and throws five innings, gives up only two runs, and strikes out nine. He's a strikeout machine. I mean, he's got a lot of talent, and I would definitely be considering him for a spot in next year's rotation. I know that for the season, the numbers haven't been there because his ERA is still above five. But 10 days ago, it was above seven, like seven and a half. And so whatever it is, I mean, he only gives up two, three hits and does that on short rest. And the Cardinals are like not even surprised because like that that's 
that's just the kind of you know he's just the kind of guy that you feel like can do that if he's right if he's not right it's it's he's not throwing strikes he's walking batters and then he's trying to be a little too fine and gives up home runs when he's got the fastball working though he's really good I would love to see the Cardinals retain him and factor him into the plans for next year of course that may end up being something that needs to happen as we'll get to the obvious injury news we got a lot to recap when you don't do a show for a couple days but uh Quickly wrapping up Friday's game, talking about the offensive explosion in that seventh inning, or pardon me, it was the sixth inning. So you go five innings, only scoring run, run, one run, you feel like, oh, go there goes the offense again. But the Pirates help you out. They remember they're the Pirates in that in that game in the sixth when you score six runs. They're throwing the ball around the infield, and then Dylan Carlson, the punctuation mark, getting the three-run homer that was huge, and so the Cardinals able to sweep that doubleheader. After losing game one of the series, suddenly they're back in the driver's seat trying to get things done. Let's fast forward to Saturday's game. You got uh, an effort from Kwon Young Kim that was, you know, this is his worst, worst start of the season for sure. Um, and, and it also looked like as that game's going along that you're going to get no hit. Mitch Keller did not give up a hit in that game through six innings, and then he came out. Thank goodness he did because the Pirates were the Pirates after that. Getting into their bullpen, Cardinals score five runs in the seventh. They get away with it, and they win another game. Huge you know, moment for the offense to come through. You need more than one inning per game with a crooked number, though. That's not going to fly every game. It's certainly not going to fly in the postseason. But against the Pirates, to get you to the postseason, it does fly, and it did on Saturday. Let's talk about Sunday. Jack Flaherty. For all the people that were worried about Jack Flaherty after he got firebombed by the Milwaukee Brewers, um, obviously you, the the rumors of his demise were a little bit premature. You knew Jack Flaherty was going to be fine. The Cardinals said it the whole time he was going to be fine. What better than a get to find a get-right game than against the Pittsburgh Pirates? He goes six innings, gives up two hits, one run, strikes out 11. The bullpen nasty once again. Over the weekend, since we last spoke, Andrew Miller coming in with two scoreless innings, a total of four strikeouts. That was enough to vest his option for over $12 million for the 2021 season. A lot of people seem like weren't happy about that on Twitter. I think that's insane. Uh, Right now, he's looking like the Andrew Miller that the Cardinals thought they were getting when they originally signed him. And if he's that guy, you want him on your team in 2021. You don't know for sure that he's going to be that guy next year, but let me just use an, as an example John Gant. Do you remember where the fan base was with John Gant like last October? They didn't even put him on the postseason roster for, for at least one of those series. I don't think he ever made it onto the, the roster. Might have been the LCS, I don't recall. But I remember for the NLDS, no John Gant. reason for that, he was one of the worst pitchers in the second half of the season. He just didn't, he, he was, it was like it's Jekyll and Hyde, two different guys. But John Gant's been really good again this year. All the Cardinals had to do to make sure they kept him, million dollars or so in arbitration won, and people were like, are they really, you know, couldn't they just DFA him instead of paying him the money? When they gave him that contract for 2020, I said, you know, it's clear they're going to factor him in as a legitimate part of this bullpen this year, John Gant. And he certainly has been that. He's been very reliable. He's arguably been the Cardinals' best reliever. Still only 28 years old, but ERA of 2.40 this season. Again, it's such a small sample because you didn't play that many games. He pitched in 66, uh, pardon me, 64 games in 2019. Only pitched in 16 games this year. 
because you're not playing, you know, that's a, more than a quarter of the games. That's almost a third of the games the Cardinals have played this year. So it's right on par with the, the usage level that you would expect, but you just haven't played that level of games. Now, did that factor into why he was better this year? Because they didn't have an opportunity to overwork him, overuse him. There was no such thing as getting worn down in the second half of the season because the whole season was crammed into two months. I don't know, but I want to use that as an example to say, look, I know that $12 million bucks for a reliever is not ideal, especially if that reliever is not effective, but if Andrew Miller can just you know find himself in the same kind of mode that he's been in the last few outings that he's had, he's looked a lot better. It's been a weird year health-wise for Andrew Miller. He's had some... You know, he had that weirdness all the way back to spring training where you thought, does he have nerve damage? Like, what's going on? He doesn't have a feel for the baseball? What does that mean? You know, never really got totally comfortable with the answers that he he received out of that because talking to him in summer camp, he said, you know, that they never really had an official diagnosis that could explain it, but they, they found ways to rehab him and get him better. And then he went on the IL once this season for a short period of time. It's just been a weird year. And it's been a weird year for a lot of guys. So the fact that Andrew Miller is finishing this year strong, I'm okay with him being on the pitching staff next year. You're, you're, you're trying to compete for a World Series right now. So you're not going to not use one of your better relievers just so that you can make a decision on, on not having to exercise his option for next year. It, that wasn't the way this was going to go. It's not your money, so why are you worried about it? People are worried about the Cardinals not spending enough money. Look, they're not going to be spending in free agency either way. So you might as well retain a guy that in Andrew Miller that you already have and that could be helpful to your bullpen. So not an issue for me at all that he vests that option uh, over the weekend in yesterday's game with uh, whatever appearance number he needed because it was prorated based on 162-game season versus 60 games. So if he had played a full season, it might have been a lot more difficult to vest because they had to prorate the, the, the amount of games in which he had to pitch. It became a lot more attainable and that's what happened offensively yesterday for the Cardinals. Once again, only two runs and they both come in the seventh inning. So another impressive come from behind effort, able to get Jack Flaherty off the hook, you know, for a game that, and even last year, the Cardinals were like 17 and 16 and Jack Flaherty starts when he had that miraculous run the second half of the season, they were basically a couple games above 500. That was it. And so better run support for Jack Flaherty. That should be something that's on the radar, but you know, we'll have to wait and see, you know, what the Cardinals are able to do as far as remaking this this roster offensively next year. They To do what they did against the Pirates, winning four out of five, that's a big deal. That needed to happen. The way they did it in some of these games, not scoring enough runs, you know, they scored fine on Friday, but it's like, and even in Saturday's win, they're waiting until the, the, the bitter end to, to make a comeback and score all their runs in one inning. It's great to have those innings. But you want to see the Cardinals preach consistency so much in their offensive approach. To me, consistency, if you're going to claim to be consistent, you have to go ahead and do it. And that means threatening in multiple innings. It doesn't mean going innings at a time without a semblance of feeling like you're about to score some runs or actually going ahead and doing it, scoring those runs. And so I don't know what the team's going to look like next year. It's not time to really get into all that yet because there's still a lot on the line for the Cardinals to be playing for this season. But you look at the lineup, there's, you know, some days you're like, yeah, this looked great. They all they all were going and everything's fantastic. Other days this season, you look at some of the names and you're like, is this who we're relying on? Is this really going to work out? They just aren't, there's not enough punch here. 
I think it's it's it, as much as the Cardinals have described that they don't want to be this way. They've been very all or nothing this season. Big runs, big innings, big games, or the other end of the spectrum where you aren't able to accomplish very much, and it puts your your pitching staff, which has been very very good, uh, borderline miraculous when you think about all the things that this team has faced this year to be able to do what they've done from a pitching perspective is is pretty special and so you'd like to see them be able to offensively contribute in a way that backs up the 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 efforts that the pitchers have have put forth so far we just really haven't had that now I may be speaking out of turn here a little bit when I mentioned the injury news because that was Thursday that Dakota Hudson got injured. We may have talked about this on the podcast already. We maybe didn't. All the days kind of blend together. So if this is recap at this point, obviously everybody knows about Hudson's status. It's not an elbow. It's the flexor tendon. It's the same thing that Miles Michaelis, not going to say the same injury severity, but that's what Miles Michaelis needed surgery on for him to be out of this 2020 season. Still waiting to see what the next plans will be for Hudson. You won't see him again this year, though. That's almost a guarantee. Wouldn't surprise me if by the time you listen to this podcast, they've already put him on the 45-day injured list so that they can bring back Dexter Fowler uh, and and whoever else needs to be coming off the injured list here because Dexter Fowler on his way to Kansas City, he'll be with the team for this series. And so you won't see Hudson the rest of this year. Here's my thing. If it's not something that's going to morph into an elbow concern because that was the worry with Michaelis. When you start talking about the forearm and strained tendons, it, it tends to work its way up. And so Tommy John was the concern for Michaelis. That's not what he had. He did have a procedure. Hopefully that procedure allows Michaelis to be back for spring training based on the recovery time. That's what's supposed to happen. That's what the team has said. Not recently, but when it happened in late July, they said they expect him to be good to go. It's like a four- to five-month recovery, if I recall correctly, which would put him end of July to, you know, into January and then get down to spring training February, be able to work your way up. Hudson, obviously, if he had to have that same procedure today, that's, you know, a month and a half since Michaelis' situation, might be pushing it to be ready for spring training, might not be pushing it to be ready for the start of the season if it's the same thing, if it's able to be solved in that way. What I want to not see from the Cardinals is the rest and rehabilitate, you know, method that they tried with Michaelis. If I hear PRP injection, it might pull my hair out. And you know I've got a lot of hair. I just, and I get that it's always the preference to try and solve something before it gets to that point that you have to take a guy out. But now is the perfect time. There's never been a better time to have a guy be out for five months. So if it's possible that that you could look at Hudson's status after he's fully evaluated and say, yeah, this looks similar to Michaelis, maybe just go ahead and do what we need to do and get him ready for next season. This is the perfect spot on the calendar to do it. I don't, I'm not a medical doctor, so I don't know if that's in the cards or not. But if, if it's a situation where he doesn't do that now and then it's February, I'm writing a story about how he's having surgery, I'm not going to be thrilled. I don't think that's – and, again, I try to, to take a step back and recognize it's not always that simple. You can't just give a guy surgery if he doesn't need it. But that's why I'm saying if it's at all comparable to what they saw with Michaelis, why, why take the time 
to go four or five months with methods that we just saw did not work with another pitcher. Everybody's body is different, but it clearly didn't work. They tried multiple PRP injections for Michaelis, but and it didn't it didn't happen. They did one in October. So you think about that. If they had been able to solve solve it via surgery in October, Michaelis could have pitched this year. Maybe not the whole season. Well, actually, yes, the whole season, because as it turns out, they didn't start the season until the end of July. So that's all I'm saying is I hope if it's at all comparable, the Cardinals approach it differently this time. I know that that, that you can't just one-size-fits-all this conversation when you're talking about surgery for a guy, but uh, you'd like to see Dakota Hudson on the mound for the Cardinals next year if his if his health and his body allow that to be facilitated because he's been really, really good for them this year. And you just, if you've got the chance to stagger these recoveries so you can have him, I say make sure you can have him. That's the way I'm looking at it now. All right, we're going to wrap things up for this podcast. We've already done about 20 minutes recapping the weekend. If you've got conversation topics that you want to be discussed that you haven't heard discussed or you don't think have been discussed enough, surrounding this Cardinals team. Now's the time to let me know about it because we're going to be locked and loaded as we approach the postseason, and ideally we'll have a chance to to do some podcasts during whatever kind of postseason the Cardinals give everybody here, assuming they make it. I've been on on record all year saying they're going to make it because they've got to. I did say when the season was on the brink Friday afternoon, if they lose that, if Ryan Helsley gives up a base hit, two runs, Cardinals lose. That would have been the first moment of the season that I would have said the Cardinals will not make the playoffs. I haven't wavered, though, before that, and, and obviously after they come back and then win the rest of the games on the weekend, I still i am I'm comfortably. But I was on the brink of, of saying I might switch my vote here. Didn't have to do that. And the way that I would, would still not have to do that is if the Cardinals can take two or three from the, you know, the, the Royals here get themselves to 28 and 25 with five scheduled games remaining that's three games above at that point i think just to win the division unless the brewers sweep monday tuesday wednesday i don't know who they play but unless the brewers sweep this week you you really just got to go 2 and 3 against them right over the end of that and conveniently they play the reds so so maybe i have to reframe reframe this because the reds and brewers are tied they're both at 500 so inevitably one of those two teams are going to win if you're the cardinals what would you rather have happen would you rather the brewers sweep the reds to basically probably be kind of in a tie with the cardinals essentially entering that five game series would you rather the Reds sweep the Brewers to where now the Reds are certainly a threat, but all you got to do against the Brewers to make sure they don't take a wild card spot? Because at this point, the wild card is basically a couple more 20, 27 and 27 teams. Everybody's at 500. There's two wild card spots to go around. I tweeted this. I want to say this was last night. And the wild card standings have the Phillies a half game up on the rest of the field. So they would be in a spot right now at 27 and 26. Giants and Reds are both 27 up. The Brewers are 26 up. So you've got three teams tied for one spot right now with the Phillies up on all three of them by half a game. The Mets and Rockies are going to have to win out basically if they want to make it. And so the Cardinals have the advantage here of, you know, two fewer losses than all these other teams that 
are vying for wild cards. So even if the Cardinals are passed by the Reds or Brewers, they've still got a shot at one of those wild cards. They just can't. It's almost like I, I, you'd rather see one knock the other out this this week, unless you're also seeing the Giants and Phillies go nuts, because then you're you're basically in a a five way battle. So it's going to be interesting. Most likely outcome is going to be two out of three. The Brewers or the Reds are going to take two out of three from the other, and then that puts the Cardinals in a slightly more advantageous position in the wild card over the team that loses that set, especially if the Cardinals can take two of three. But it puts them in a position to where they are risking losing second place in the Central to whoever wins that Brewers-Reds series this week. So standings watching, scoreboard watching, it's a thing. You also got to keep an eye on the Giants and Phillies if you're worried about getting passed for second in the Central. It's going to be a fun week. I hate the format, but it does present for a fun week this week um, unless you're one of the teams in first place where you're not really playing for anything until next week. And when the playoffs start, you're in just the same boat as everybody else. So anyway, though, if you've got topics of conversation you want, here's how you can reach me. Go to anchor.fm slash bshafer12, just like my Twitter handle, anchor.fm slash bshafer12. That's where you can find the podcast. If then you go anchor.fm slash bshafer12 slash message, you could type that into your browser. That will take you to a place where they're going to say, would you like to use a microphone? Record yourself asking me a question. I play your question on the podcast or your comment or your concern or your prediction for the final week of the Cardinals season or for what they'll do in the playoffs or for what they'll do in the offseason. You can be a part of this show that way. Do that, and I'll play it on the show and respond to whatever you've got to say as well. So we'd love to have you do that one more time. It's anchor.fm slash bshafer12 slash message. Give me a follow on all the socials as well. It's at bshafer12 anywhere you're going to want to find me. And you can subscribe to the podcast if you've not done so already at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all the rest of the locales. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow after the Cardinals face the Royals in Game 1 on Monday.